so that seems if like your advice. If the devil has a put a bunch of fucking rocks in your kingdom and the orb has come unto you, then take the magic orb and you have become a paddle. <laughs> then guide the magic orb uh, through the rocks and onto the mandrake. Pulverize the mandrake with the magic orb and I that mandrake will probably restore the land. Welcome, Mega Faithful Congregation, to this, the third reading from the book of Mega Drive. Today's chapter is Devilish, the Next Possession. And with me today are. Catching hold, it reaches out and swallows any sphere that comes close. The sphere is swallowed for just a brief time, then spit back out. That's right, it shrugged. I'm the blue ball from Dublish, and I fucking hate you! Oh, ye gods, my Arkanoid clone is ruined! But what if I were to take elements from digital pinball, pong, and top-down shooters and pass it off as a uh, uh, innovative new genre? <laughs> Delightfully devilish, Seabor. Hi, I'm Ramona. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The main event, Big Clock, is here to party. It's me, Vasilcania. I'm throwing up metal horns, but you can't see them because I'm not streaming. All of those radical Mega Drivers with me today are going to explore four increasingly challenging zones. The Blast Zone, the Fantasy Zone, the Labyrinth Zone, and the dreaded Death Egg Zone. First up, let's blast off into the Blast Zone. Blast music here. Blast it. Yeah, blast. Blast. Yeah, get fucking blasted on. Only the 16-bit power of the Sega Mega Drive can bring you active BT with two Cs. What? Yeah. Two Cs to T that B forever. So what that means, if you're just joining us, is that the Blast Zone is where everything brought to us by Blast Processing lives. That's the blazing, fast, exciting gameplay of the games. The game feel of the games. The mechanics of the games. Everything related to the gaming that can only be handled by the Blast Processing. I am really going at it today. So, to start off with our discussion of Blast Processing, I uh, I should have asked you <laughs> all to play an hour of this game. How long did you actually play the game for? I think I killed the tree. Look, I'm very lazy. Then I did a bunch of research and uh, translated medieval sources about the Mandragora, 
uh, for this podcast. So that was another 30 minutes. Uh, I played the game too much because uh, some of the stages are bullshit and I hate them. And then I beat it and then it told me to challenge hard and I just kind of went fuck you. And then also I played the Game Gear version and the DS version. Holy shit, I asked people to maybe play the Game Gear version. The DS version was not an, was not a request, but I'm very ha- excited to hear about that later. Sorry, go on, good folks. There's a DS version of this shit? A third one, which I'm not sure if it's a sequel. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, well, let's keep going down the line. I played it to the end of stage five before I gave up. I'll explain why later. I played... I streamed this for, what, an hour? I'm playing it right now. I I played the five stages that are accessible in Time Trial. I was not going to beat this game. Are you kidding me? And I played this game for, like, two hours, and while I definitely didn't beat the game, I beat most of the levels in the Time Trial mode, and just I played through those over and over again in a number of different contexts because I kind of love this game. I'm playing this game right now, even though I hated it. I mean, I don't hate it. We'll get there. (laughs) I guess I love what this game is trying to be. That's for later, though. So to start us off, I'm going to give an overview of what this game is. Devilish, the next possession, is a Breakout clone. I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard of Breakout, but let's say and you haven't. Basically, the idea with Breakout is you got a little paddle at the bottom of the screen and you can move it left and right. Sometimes you can move it other ways, like in this game, but usually you can just move it left and right. You got a ball that bounces off the paddle, and then it hits other bricks and things at the top of the screen, and it can destroy it. Typically, the idea is you want to destroy all the bricks. That is not the case in Devilish. Devilish, you have a paddle, you have a ball, and you have another paddle. And there are indeed bricks, but breaking them isn't really the objective. You're going through stages full of bricks and monsters and creatures and all of these things are destroyed and interacted with when you hit the ball with them and as you move the ball through the stages the screen will scroll up with the ball or to the side in some cases advancing you through the level until you fight a boss or some kind of big monster or some kind of stage hazard which this game calls a main event and i love that terminology You beat it, you advance to the next level. There's a timer that's ticking down, and you've got a limited number of lives to do this. Uh, It's really hard, but really interesting. So, um, what what did folks think of of blasting through this game with with the balls? I, so, one of the major mechanics of this game, like you said, it scrolls, right? But it doesn't just scroll up, it scrolls left and right, too, sometimes. Um, and so you can turn, so you've got two paddles, one of them moving up and down left in addition to left and right, but it can also turn. So it's facing left or right, right? Um, the ball though is seemingly programmed to generally go up and down. And so trying to get it to go left or right is so frustrating that it, that to me is the crux of why I do not like this game. <laughs> um, it's just so frustrating, like hitting it with the paddle and nothing happens. Like it goes through the paddle a lot. It just doesn't go the direction that I want it to. And that was my whole experience. Well, there's, so obviously to assist you in your task of keeping uh, the ball at the top of the screen uh, when 
playing in this sort of default mode, the ball will pass through the bottom of, when it's going upward, the ball will pass through the bottom of your paddle and there's no hit detection. And then when it comes down, it will, you know, it'll just act like a fucking paddle. Sometimes the hit detection can be kind of sketchy. Yes, yeah, my opinion. When you're moving. Yeah, but when you are, it took me a minute to figure this out. Likewise, the orientation of your paddle continues to matter when you rotate it in order to make the paddle, uh, in order to make the ball move sideways. So the actual direction, there's like a tiny little bit of beveling on the side of your paddle that where the hit detection registers on. So you have to make take care to make sure that your paddle is oriented such that the pass-through side is correct and the hit side is correct when you're when you're moving it sideways. And I lost a couple of balls figuring that out. Yeah, like the orientation you can turn the paddle ninety degrees in like 90 degrees to the left or 90 degrees to the right basically so you can have you have one horizontal and two different vertical orientations um there's a couple more than that in the game game gear remake but let's talk about the genesis bit before we talk into some of the weirdness of the genesis game which was actually first this is sort of a sequel remake i thought it was a co- i thought this was a really cool mechanic even if it didn't work that well <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes it worked great, and sometimes it didn't work that great. The unpredictability about it was the most frustrating aspect for me. Yeah, this game is a turd. It sucks ass. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) Barely barely playable piece of shit after stage two. Fucking... The ball goes through the top paddle like half the time. Especially if you... Uh, have your top paddle in a vertical position and the ball will sometimes go the opposite direction of where you hit it and every level has this incredibly short time limit so you know hey here you go dipshit here's three minutes to finish a level with this game that controls like shit and doesn't fucking work properly and I had to replay stage three like five times and I was miserable the whole time you know and and I get yeah, I'm not asking for like realistic havoc physics in my my video game. I'm just asking for somebody at fucking thought B to at least look and see two objects colliding into one another. The border, especially on like the second level onward, when a lot of times the borders of the stage are like sort of rough looking rocks and stuff. The collision detection on them seems to be yeah. Difficult to predict. And also the speed that uh, it comes off of things seems to be pretty much random. Yeah, the speed changes seemingly randomly, and I don't understand that at all. Everything about this game is fucking horseshit. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you about the fucking ball. You need to know three things about the about the blue sphere, which is what it's called. Tell me game. about. Tell me about okay. the ball. Three things you need to know. One, the ball hates you. It especially <laughs> fucking hates you. Two, the ball hates living. It really actually super hates living. <laughs> Three, the ball does not subscribe to Ecludian, like, 
real world physics or any any sort of sane like physics that you would expect from a breakout game, which is as alluded to, one hundred percent of the problem. The game does the ball does not fucking go where you want it to. It does not react how you think it should. You can do all sorts of stupid bullshit that would work in other breakout games. You know, like uh, it's it's really hard to describe because there's a couple sections that are like super fucking annoying, even past like uh, even like in five stages, the last couple stages, which aren't in the time trial mode, uh, volcano and prairie. But it's like as an example, like on the third boss, the tree dude, who is an also an asshole because you have to actually steer the ball and constantly change the paddle direction, and it's fucking terrible. There's a section on the bottom right where it's like it looks like a little patch of ground and it like curves down to the bottom right corner. The ball can get stuck in there and go through it, even though basically you're hitting the side of the screen and this thing and it can actually go through part of the background and you lose a life. Oh my god, I never had that happen to me, but I would have yelled like very loudly and scared my cats. Uh have we noted that you can push the B button to speed up or slow down the or really just toggle upwards and then reset through three different paddle speeds yet. The paddle Change speed is the paddle hand speed hand is a red herring. It's actually you, one. it's it's mm-hmm. it's fucking terrible. You don't need any of the other paddle speeds. They're they're terrible. They I, just, they just make I, shit less I, better. I would <laughs> say better. that I would say that it changes it from uh not fast enough to catch up with your ball when you really need it to completely uncontrollable. Two different settings of completely uncontrollable. But yeah, you'll probably hit the B button accidentally while fumbling with whatever pad you're using. Assuming you're using a pad, of course you are. You're using official Genesis and or Mega Drive hardware with an official cart. And suddenly you're missing and losing your blue ball again because you don't notice that the little number has changed in the bottom of the screen. I am curious. So we all know that the Sega Genesis it featured many, many official control pads, like the Xbox 360 controller and PC keyboards, all of which are completely legitimate ways of playing on your legitimate Sega Genesis with your legitimate rewind and legitimate save state functions. Because as we all know, as with every episode, I went to Yuji Naka's Sega Emporium and bought us all a copy of the game to play. Very generous, I gotta say, by the way. I loved having this. I didn't have a Genesis, but I loved having a copy of the game. I just love that. I love being on such a huge podcast with a giant budget. Yeah, massive budget. God, we're just, you know what? I'm going to say it. We're rolling in it. Yeah, shout out to my boy, Yuji Naka. It's okay, dude. People will eventually understand the genius of uh, Billy Hatcher and the giant egg. <laughs> I just want to throw out two things. So actually, legitimately, I play through this, like, even though I, I, I'm going to throw out there that I'm an evil person. I th- played it on emulator. Don't, don't, don't tell the feds. Holy shit. I actually legitimately beat it. Like I didn't rewind or anything. And w- so one of the other things that no one has told you yet, and it's like, uh, they told you about the time limit and how the ball is bullshit. They didn't tell you that there's no fucking continues in the game. So you have to one CC it. Yeah. 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 That drove me up the wall. I'm like, I, w- I even wanted to cheat, but the cheat code only works in the U S version, I guess. I wanted to buy copies of the U S version, but Yuji Naka just 
shook his head sadly and said, we're all out of the US version. We only have the Japanese version for your legitimate Genesises. He's still, he's still shell-shocked from the Sonic 2 days. I was going to ask, because I was just I was just curious, what kind of controller did everyone use to play this game? I used an Xbox 360 controller, and no, I did not use the D-pad, because the D-pad is mapped to load state and save state. Just so I'm not going to change that. I used a Hori Fighting Commander 4, which I use for all of my official retro gaming console needs. I used uh, the 8BitDo M30 the, the Bluetooth thingy one, so I could just plug it in, and it's an actual fucking Genesis controller, but with shoulder buttons. And also, it's good. And a good D-pad. And it's good. I used the Retrobit Sega Saturn pad, um, which is still working. Hey, Retrobit, if anyone's listening, you fucking jackasses need to learn how to respond to your emails. It never responded to my email asking for a replacement, so I did spend another 25 bucks on a replacement. Jerks. Terrible customer service. Great controllers, though, when they work. <laughs> and uh, on the various official Sega Genesis I had, on my official official Sega Genesis, I used a three-button Sega Genesis controller. I also used on the less official Sega Genesis that are still legal Sega Genesis's. I'm going to say, uh, I used a Mad Cat's, um, a Mad Cat's Street Fighter X Tekken fight pad, and also a, uh, keyboard. I, I thought that there might be a difference of opinion depending on, uh, how you could control it. Like, I thought, this game is way easier to control with a D-pad for me, because I've tried a bunch of different ways to play it, but I guess I just have a high tolerance for this game's bullshit, and that's just my weirdness and not the controller I used. No, no, so, like, the problem isn't that, like, like, literally, everything about this game is good, except for the fucking ball and then moving it around, and the entire thing falls apart. Everything's pretty cool, except the whole, like, primary mechanic of the game. There's, uh, <laughs> there are these occasional, um, pinball table-like devices that you can knock your ball into, that will, uh, like the the hole snatcher or whatever I was reading from the manual, that'll grab your ball and it'll, it'll transport it, or a bit of wa- a waterfall that'll grab your ball and it'll transport it past a whole big chunk of bricks, and it's like your fucking the best way to play, the ideal way to play is to target these things that will allow you to skip large chunks of the game. Because the game itself is just endless tedium and frustration. The ideal way to play is to turn the game off. I mean, I think the ideal way to play the game is to, like, watch someone else play the game who, who beats it, because I do think, as we'll get into fantasy, I love every aspect of this game's aesthetics. Okay, so I know we brought up the, the, the time limit before. The thing that the game doesn't make exceedingly obvious from the get-go, this is actually a speedrun game, and the proper way to play it is to just shove your paddle up the top so the, so the ball just bounces off everything immediately and then you just rush through levels and you get stupid fast times like I've gotten the first stage down to like 30 seconds. But you're, you're basically just trying to get through everything as fast as possible because 
if you try to play it regularly, you run out of time. And if you run out of time, you lose a life, and you have to start the level over. It's a double fuck you. I think that, like, the, um, the time limit is there because this game can get extremely tedious. Like, the, the level 3 boss, the big fucking tree. Um, it's really hard to hit him, and you just gotta get lucky sometimes. And if you don't get lucky for a long enough time, like I did, um, you just run out of time. I think the time limit is there to make you, for, to force you to play it like a speedrun game. Otherwise, the game gets boring. So they never solved the game gets boring problem. They just made it so that you can't live to see the day it gets boring. It's horrible. I feel like this game would be a lot better if it kind of worked like a platinum game, where it, where you just got like grade ratings based on how good you did, and you got a different score depending on that. But you couldn't get a game over otherwise. I mean, I guess you can't get game overs in those games, but you know what I mean. If you use a continue, your score gets reduced. If you don't do it within a certain amount of time, your score gets reduced. You get, like, a multiplier for keeping the ball hitting particular objects for a bit. And also, if the ball randomness was was reduced. I'm designing a completely different game and saying this game would be good if it was a completely different game. I still like, <laughs> like this game because, conceptually, I love the idea of it, even if the implementation is not great. Okay, the game has a time limit because if you actually, once you actually figure out the game, it's like 15 minutes long. So there's like, you have to get some fucking value out of your 50 bucks or your like 7,800 yen. To say something positive though, I will say that um, I've always liked games that take the, the sort of these arcade games from the past or pinball or something and turn them into adventures. Like there is a, there's a pinball adventure on the NES. There's, uh, Pinball of the Dead on the Game Boy Advance, like these games that kind of play with the the um, the format of it. And I think that this game succeeds in at least being much more interesting to me than Breakout. Breakout, like original Breakout, or even like um, oh shit, what well, Arkanoid is okay. What, who's the guy who did the DOS version of Breakout? Like he has a name that starts with an M or something. Anyway. Um, but it's like, it's like pulling teeth. It's so boring. I hate it. And at least I was engaged enough with this game to be frustrated with it because I wanted to enjoy it. Like it, but you know, it, it was all the little things that frustrated me, but like, it was kind of fun to go up and to like have a whole level to explore. Um, and even just like getting the paddle really close to the ball and just busting through a million bricks was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think the idea of trying to like marry the concepts of Breakout and Pong are not inherently a bad idea. It's actually like a really innovative idea. It's just, man, they really should have like executed this good and not bad. <laughs> they should have done good and not bad. I like that. <laughs> oh, should have should have married the concepts of a good game. You know, maybe you should have done that, Hotby, or whoever developed this. I, that's who published it. We'll get to that later. Why, why would you make a good game when you could make a bad game? I really think these people were trying to make a good game. I genuinely believe they were trying. Yeah, well, they fucking failed. <laughs> well, you all got free copies of this from me, so it's not like we all we paid money for it. I mean, I did with my giant wads of cash to Yuji Naka, but like, y'all got it free. That just makes it even worse, because now I have no preconceived, like, notions, I have no spend on it, so I can make even freer opinions, and it's still fucking terrible! <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just can't iron down your ball. It seems like 
everyone hates this game but me. But I'd like to get into the nitty-gritty of specific hateable things about the game in that case. So, like, this game does have enemies and creatures. Did anyone have any creatures or particular, like, hazards or traps in this game that they felt were especially noteworthy? Like, I kind of liked parts of the clock tower level where you got... Like, there was absolutely no gameplay value to this at all except when it killed you out of nowhere. But there's gears that your ball would get stuck in and it would move around in the gears. And if it didn't just randomly kill you sometimes, I think that would be a really cool mechanic. Like, what stuff like that? What monsters and things stuck out in your head? Were any of them cool? Were any of them especially frustrating? I know Shrug has some thoughts about a tree. What what stuff was there in that aspect of this game? The enemies that I thought the most of that made the most impact in the game are the blue sphere and the time limit. (laughs) <laughs> the the blue sphere that you are bouncing okay yeah uh the the bodyguards which appear in i think it's the second level especially the way it does kind of a weird thing where you beat a boss and then instead of the, the level ending there you have to go through a little denouement where you knock a few more bricks out of the way and maybe a few enemies and you knock your ball down a hole, and then the level ends, and there were these four little, they look like little soldiers. The fucking manual says it's a soldier bearing a large gold shield dressed out in armor squats low when it comes upon the sphere. That's what I do when I come upon a sphere. (laughs) It leaves nothing but damage in his wake, and there was like this phalanx of four of them. They were guarding the exit hole, and... I may have seriously abused the rewind function on my uh, actual cart and Genesis because I just kept getting in the fucking way of the ball. And when every time it hit one of these things, it just kept flying off of it. They kind of typified enemies for me in this game because they're really mostly just obstructions that you can ignore. Yeah, I didn't think the enemies were too noteworthy. They kind of look like the um, like the obstacles that you destroyed in Devil's Crush, which I guess would go into the whole like kind of sort of pinball theme that the game has, especially the uh, the Shield Knights in some of the later levels. They really look like the guys on like the first on that on that uh, Devil's Crush uh, table. I just want to say. I just want to go back to the thing where you have to actually still exit the level. So this is fucking terrible because you could you could beat a boss in a level and you still have to fucking exit the level. And in the process of exiting the level, you could still run out of time and then you have to start the entire fucking level over again. And the game does this in every level, even after the last boss on the last level, you still have to fucking exit it. You could still run out of time and then have to start the level over again. I'm just getting angry thinking about this just because I, I i i finished the last boss and i was like oh i've got like 20 seconds left there's the fucking music that there's a different music track that plays when you're running out of time it's like oh shit you're about to run out of time you better get to that fucking exit hole you're gonna have to do all of this shit over again asshole or you could just miss a rebound while you're breaking through to the exit hole and there goes your ball maybe it's your last ball i lost a life on every single one of these sequences. 
I lost it at least one life. I there the I was playing it just now. I got through the clock and the tree without losing any lives, and I lost a life on just getting to the exit on both of them. And I think part of the problem, as I'm watching another breakout clone, well, actually, okay, you asked Ty- Tiger if we had enemies that made any notable, like, you know, spots in our brain. I did like the um, flame-throwing skeletons, the flame-breathing skeletons in the first level. I thought that was very cute. Um, most of the enemies just exist to either be almost immediately destroyed or create impassable barriers for a while or like the shield skeletons, you have to hit him from the back, but you have to hit him from the back twice. So I rarely even got, I, I was rarely around long enough for that to even happen. So that it's weird. They're either steamrolled or they might as well be bricks is what I feel like. So, um, but I feel I'm watching other breakout clones right now. And I feel like the biggest issue with even those boss exit things is that the ball moves so fast. It can go. And, and I think part of that is because the sprites are so damn big is that the ball can go from the very top of the screen to the very bottom of the screen. in what half a second, less than half a second. Like there's no time to react. Sometimes it's ridiculous. They're big. So you can hit the fucking Xbox. So your, your other pedal goes away and then you have to wait like 15 seconds to play the game again. Yeah, the the X blocks make your your mobile your super mobile paddle incorporeal, and you have to wait, and it's so annoying. Like it's 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 fine. It would uh, many of these things would be fine if there wasn't a time limit. Honest to God, but like no, they wouldn't be fine. It would still be fucking terrible. They're just exacerbated by a fucking time limit. <laughs> I disagree. I think the time limit is just. I don't know. I think there's a lot of stuff that's compelling to me. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying you like the time limit? I kind of like the time limit, yeah. You are the enemy of all man, of all humanity. You deserve to not have a voice in this discussion anymore. (laughs) My podcast. (laughs) Can't do nothing about it. It's my podcast. I will burn this podcast down. (laughs) Ah, shit. Uh, like I, I, I don't know. I feel like you have to pick one or the other. You either have to have like a game that can become extremely tedious with no time limit, or a game that is has a lot of techniques for moving forward quickly and a time limit. But you, you feel I, like they're trying to do both. I could just play a game with no tedium at all. I can see ways that this game would be better, but this is sadly not Automatic Tiger like takes inspiration from games that aren't very good and re-engineers them into good games, which would be a different podcast that not very many people would listen to, unfortunately. No, no, no. This is, this is, we're on HGTV now. This is house rescue. We're fixing this game up. Okay. Um, well, like I said, I would make it so there was a time limit, but it was mostly a scoring thing. I would turn this into a score attack game. Primarily. I would, probably not have a life limit i'd probably have that also be tied to a scoring mechanic basically just make it a scoring thing i would probably have certain sequences where instead of just moving past it you had to beat an enemy and i would also reduce the amount of randomness the ball had because unlike a lot of breakout games which kind of need randomness on the ball to get it out of loops this one you have a way of getting balls out of loops which is you have a paddle that can move all over the goddamn screen, so that whole thing wouldn't even be necessary. Exactly. Exactly. Bricks. Bricks that go away in one fucking hit. 
God yeah. damn it. Or if they didn't go away in one fucking hit, a very clear visible visual identifier that they weren't going away. Because in some levels, it was easier to tell. I would probably get rid of the X bricks that like eliminate one of the paddles entirely and change them to something like maybe it shrunk your paddle or or something like that. Or maybe you couldn't change the orientation of the paddle rather than losing a paddle entirely. Um that's the kind of things I would do if I would make this game if I was gonna make a better version of this game. That's what I'd do. So the, the actually the power ups are interesting because there are what two? What other there's there's the one that makes your paddle wider for about twenty seconds, both your paddles. And there's one that turns your ball into a big oh, there's three. There's one that turns your ball into a big dragon, so it clears every brick in one hit, which is nice. And goes through it. It doesn't bounce off bricks, yeah. it clears right through. That's the Buster Ball. Buster Ball. Oh no. We we'll get to that to the manual in the Labyrinth Zone, because I didn't dig up that much history about this game, so this is probably gonna be laughing at the manual hour as it was for the uh, last for the NES cast we did recently. The Salamander Sphere. That's a better well, name for it. It is. There's five uh, five items in the list. There's the length thing. There's the flashing bomb. bomb. A, green, a green item is gained. The screen flashes violently, destroying many blocks on the screen. There's the time stop bomb. Yellow it gives you uh, 10 seconds on your timer or it makes you it just makes it stop for 10 seconds and roulette which uh, is, it's just it changing between the other four so yeah there's really only four the I, hourglass timer is kind of charming there I said it it is kind shame. of charming it's a shame it represents what it does. Not not a patch on the hourglass timer in uh, Aichoaniki. This is sounding like we're sort of moving on to the aesthetic portion of this discussion, and I also feel. Like oh no no no! I'm not done yet. I, have, <laughs> I still I still have I still have shit to air out about it because I beat this game and I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna drink up I'm gonna drink up every single fucking thing I have to say about this piece of shit. All right, I just want to touch upon so you. Some of the things that you were you would change, or they're actually kind of in the game already. Um, like there, there are score. Like it, the game is seemingly sort of split off in between the time trial mode, which is like uh, you know you're actually trying to set good times, and that's more time based. And then in just the regular mode, you are getting like score for your time left over. You are getting score based extends and what have you. You're essentially being. Uh, graded on your performance because if you don't do good, then you get fucking stuck in, a, in an unendable loop of having to go through the fucking like a fucking waterfall level again. Which is, I fucking hate that level because there's like halfway through the level there's waterfalls and they randomly push your ball down and there's no visual indication that something's about to push your ball down other than you see it randomly go down and you're just like, oh, I guess the fucking shitty ball physics are acting up again like they always do. You feel better now? No, not really, because there, there's even more. Like, uh, like, oh, I, I haven't, I don't think anyone's touched upon like, seemingly the ball is taking up a lot of processing time on the system. Because some, there are some times and some levels where if the ball is off the screen or something happens to it, the game just like fucking speeds right the fuck up, like it's like it was running at like less than sixty frames per second, and it just sh- shoots to full speed. 
Like, this is super obvious if, uh, uh, stage five, which is Seaside, the boss is, um, Undine, which is, like, these two evil demon dudes, and they... One's, al one's like, always moving around the level, but one stops and spins in place and shoots out lightning balls. If a lightning ball hits your ball, it'll freeze in place. When it freezes in place, the entire thing speeds up, even the timer, your time limit speeds up. Like, you can see the game slow down, if like, especially on that level on uh, Seaside. If you die, you can see the game struggle as the ball reforms from out of nowhere. Ball blaster. What were they thinking? There we go. Had to drop that line in there. It, it is like it is like the whole thing is just like everything was well made, and the programmer just came and was like, "Okay, I better, I better tie this shit up real quick. I, I got to go to lunch." What topic are we on? <laughs> we're still on. We're still on uh, blast. Although I think we have blasted most of this game. We've really blasted uh, this game hard. I, I still got. I still hard. got more ass to blast. Oh dear. Okay, go on with the blast. A little bit more. Or you uh, can just the, save the it. fucking or... tree. Let me get my catching hole ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well, I'm about to blast a tree into it. You better, you better open up wide. Pushing the direction button when the sphere is spit out will cause it to go in that direction. Whoa. I have my doubts that, you know, any direction... It, in this game can make the ball do anything you want it to. So like, I think that that's the biggest disconnect between what's happening on the screen and what I feel like should be happening when I play it. The specific thing that, that, that irks me is that the red paddle moves around a lot. And when I, if I were to take a ping pong paddle and smack a ball, my momentum matters very, very much versus it just bouncing off a motionless paddle. And the momentum in this game doesn't seem to matter at all. Like, if I am moving the paddle to the right and I hit the ball, it should really take a right direction very fast. And instead, it might actually just bounce off as if the paddle was still. Like, it just changes the direction. It doesn't change the momentum at all. And it is utterly infuriating. Just like if I'm moving the paddle up, it should go straight up instead of bouncing off in some weird really frustrating. I disagree with that because I feel like that would make this game even more chaotic. What I think this game should be a little bit more cuz like I need to go I need to go back and see if it does this, but it sure didn't feel like it was doing this. The way breakout works in like good breakout games is typically the place it hits your paddle determines its direction. Like if it hits it, No, no, it does not fucking work like that at all. Okay, cool. We have a confirmation of that. But I'm saying like that would be my ideal because if you're if there's a lot of kinetic stuff going on, it would feel weird with the very unrealistic physics. Travel back with me to the late nineteen eighties. My family had just bought a Macintosh SC yes a little grayscale Mac and my father's friend. I'm going to make this into a whole story for no reason. And my <laughs> father's friend at AMI manufactured the first silicon chip manufacturer he worked for. Pocatello, Idaho gave him, copied that floppy, gave him a pile of Infocom games and Dark Castle and Infocom games I couldn't beat because... Copy protection measures, but I didn't know about those, so I just didn't know why I couldn't figure them out. 
and there was a little breakout clone, a tiny little floppy disk, and the one thing I really remember strongly from it was you had to put English on the ball by moving your paddle from side to side as it hits. It's the foundation of breakout. At least it was in 1989 on the Macintosh SE. Oh my god, that was 30 fucking... (laughs) (laughs) And with that story that grounds us in reality, we know what reality is right now. And so we can go beyond reality. We can go into the fantasy zone. I said it that way because it has a P- it's spelled with a PH like many Sega things are. Welcome to the Fantasy Zone, which is a which is a magical place where we talk about the aesthetics of the game, how the game sounds, what the game's graphics are like, and what what the game's narrative is like. I really liked the narrative of this game, and I really like the sound of this game, and I really like the graphics of the game, and. I, I just really liked a lot of aspects of it. As a, I'm not sure if we've specifically mentioned this as much. We've alluded to with some comparisons to Demon's Crest earlier. This is a fantasy game. Despite being Breakout, everything is like Dungeons and Dragons bullshit. It's gates and graves and Castlevania clock towers and water-filled grottos, and pain-in-the-ass waterfalls filled with skeletons and distended, kind of disturbing-looking trees, and really awesome FM synth music. Let's let's open it up with just some, some of the aesthetic stuff. The menu kind of gives you this game's intentions of seeming cool by by having all the menu transitions be a zipper, like a skeleton zipper, a zipper made of bones that unzips, zips up and unzips the screen as it transitions from one screen to another. It's really cool looking, it's really satisfying, and it would be really nice if hitting the ball was half as satisfying as watching the skeleton uh, zip and unzip things. Uh, what aesthetically about this game was was impressive to people, and what you know, auditorily and and especially uh, the story, I thought was was worth writing home about. I agree. The game would be good if the game was as good as how it looked and sounded and everything else. The game would be good if it was married to a good game. I'm sorry, I'm still angry. Uh, good music, <laughs> uh, music. Toshi Sakamoto, he does good musics on FM. And all the music is good. Although there's... So a couple... Of, I think there's like two or three tracks that are actually arranges from the, the original Game Gear version. But then the rest of it is uh, new songs. But this is like... This kind of sound. There are a couple of tracks where it's, it, it basically kind of sounds like a Neo Geo game. And a Neo Geo can do a lot more than a Mega Drive can in terms of sound. Yeah, it looked and, and sounded really cool. Um, I mean, music was great, and while I didn't think like the like the character designs were all that special, they at least looked nice. And you, know, you don't necessarily always have to have a unique look as long as it's nice. I hope that made sense. 
Yeah, it does. Like, it looks a lot like... Uh, th there are a lot of uh, Genesis games that kind of look like this game. Like, the one that kept coming to my mind was... God, what is it? It's... We almost played for Book of Mega Drive. It was Undead Line. Yeah, Undead Line. It, like, this looks a lot like Undead Line. I keep thinking about Undead Line when I look at this game. Yeah, you're, you're, what you're actually thinking of is how democracy is a failure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I gotta say that the bosses look alright. One of the bosses is a clock. Have we mentioned that? One of the bosses is a clock, and you just get it... You hit the numbers. It's weird. <laughs> um, but Well, you don't hit the numbers. You stuff a hole where one of the numbers should be. You stuff the ball right. into the hole. You don't hit You the put numbers. the ball in the hole. You stuff a hole. That's what you do. Yeah, that part didn't make any sense to me. But my favorite boss is certainly... My favorite boss aesthetically, certainly, is... I um, have to say... <laughs> yeah, of all... Yeah, this game really made sense from top to bottom, except the fact where <laughs> you're stuffing a ball into the clock. <laughs> how how is putting a ball in the hole of a number of a clock going to defeat it? Because it just spits it right back out. Why is doing it seven times going to defeat it? I, and you don't do it in specific. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you, you, it's 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 not a boss. It's a it's a bonus round. You're, it, it'll it once so the, the clock starts at twelve, and then it goes around, and then once it hits twelve again, the event is over, and it doesn't matter how many times you sink it. Well, yeah, really. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They're not bosses. They're main events. It says main event when you start the level. Oh, okay. So, so when so every stage has a main event, then it identifies that at the level. But when you actually fight a boss, when you get to it, it, the text reads "defeat the boss," and then the other main events actually have specific instructions for them. Like uh, the one on, on the one on volcano is there's uh four there's four balls that pop out, and it says it's like don't drop any of the balls. And every ball that you keep up for the entirety of the event gives you an extra life at the end of it. That's really yeah, cool. I, I appreciated that bosses were called main events. Made it sound special, like a like a wrestling event or something. But then, like you said, they call them bosses in-game, and it's like someone dropped the ball on that. The blue ball. I think it's more. I think it's more of like it's, it's calling them the main event because it's sort of like it's harkening back to a, an actual pinball table where it's like those are, you know, your. I forget the word for it. Um, not not necessarily event. You're like you're hitting uh, certain. You're like either hitting certain targets or you're activating certain uh, play modes. Like, like technically, the volcano thing is literally just multi-ball. This game needed more multi-ball. I was watching Morath's Blast, which was the DOS game I was trying to think of earlier. And it has a special mode where you go through levels. Like, it's like single screen levels, but instead of trying to break all the bricks, you're trying to break a specific brick. But it also has tons of power-ups. And my favorite is one that when you hit it, two balls come out. And some of the levels will have like 12 of those. So you just have balls bouncing all over the screen. <laughs> That's what this game needed. If this game had multi-ball, literally your system would, would just burst in the flames. Uh, two things. One, uh, Steve Morath is a very special young boy. Uh, and two, it hit me. Maybe the reason why, uh, the clock gets destroyed is maybe the ball goes in and hits like the internal gears and just, you know, fucks it up inside. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why it breaks. That, you that ever, was you ever my, think of that? That was my interpretation, certainly. Well, apparently it turns out it doesn't do anything to the clock, and it just goes around once, so... 
still ultimately pointless. <laughs> it's it's not totally pointless. You're like you're you're trying to sink it in, and it's like you get a thousand points every every time you sink it in. So uh, you can I think you can depending on what your score is doing, like uh, you can probably get uh, an extra life out of it before the, uh, the level's over. Ironically, you do in fact get points for doing it, so it is literally not pointless. God damn it. <laughs> I'm getting I'm no respect on this podcast. This is I'm why so I host sorry. a podcast usually. <laughs> Maybe I'm just getting salty because I'm the only one who likes this game. Well, I will say I like the big tree that um, spits out seeds, and when it does, it its mouth inflates to like seven times its size. It's gross. <laughs> it's super gross, but I like it. What's that tree called? Is it just tree ant or something? Yeah, it's a tree ant. Yeah, it's it is a D and Dified ant from Lord of the Rings, and uh, Vassal Kenya has labeled their captioned their screenshot of this tree scrote tree, which is very appropriate because it looks like a very veiny scrotum. Really, really bulging veins there. Actually, not unlike the alien eggs from freaking. Aliens, I don't know where to put this, so I'm just going to do it here. This seems like an okay transition. In the scrote tree level, there are other ambulatory trees. In the manual, under enemy characters, these are labeled Mandragora. This demon tree with the head of an old woman just moves around. It is hardly a worthy enemy. If hit, it falls rolling about crying. It is wretched. It is a wretched thing. Uh, I guess the crying thing is playing on the old uh, folk thing about how if you pull a mandragora out of the ground, it screams and it'll fucking kill you, uh, as displayed in uh, most Igavania's documentaries that they are. And Berserk on the Sega Dreamcast. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, also, landmark Errol Morris film. This mostly stood out to be because it says it has the head of an old woman, and I tend to associate man, Mandorgora with uh, male stuff, male energy, masculine whatever. Infamously, they used to be set to uh, grow beneath the feet of hanged men, uh, where they had busted their final death. Uh, not. There's actually, you can actually see this in recently discussed on the Thorium's film, uh, To Do Flesh and Blood, where a young noblewoman meets her betrothed, and they're not exactly getting along in the countryside, and they find a man who has been hanged for some crime or another, and the, well, obviously some sort of wildlife has been at his genitals, and there's a sort of, incidentally, this bloated corpse is sort of in the background with its mauled, mutilated genitals, like, in the frame. And Jennifer Jason Lee just starts digging around in the fucking soil underneath her his feet to find this root and says, Hey, look, maybe we don't like each other now, but if we eat this, this, which apparently grows from his issue because he busted one when he died 
then we will fall in love. Uh, and then they eat it raw, and they start feeling flushed, because it makes you fucking high as shit. Um, it's poisonous. Anyway, I decided to look into this with the sources that I had. This idea of a female and mandrake. So, of course, the first thing I did is I looked into Stephen Polington's Leechcraft Early English Charms, Plant Lore, and Healing. Of course. Uh, which is his compilation of Anglo-Saxon sources. Apparently, Anglo-Saxons not really big on the mandrake. They had replaced it with another root. I don't recall its name other than it starts with a B. They just sort of refer to it in some sources. So I turned to Isidore of Seville, the famous bishop. His etymologies are written in the 6th century, are 7th century, 7th century. Entertaining, not very accurate, but they're the sources of many other medieval alleged knowledges. He writes on the mandrake, so-called because it has a sweet-smelling fruit the size of a Mason apple. Hence, Latin speakers call it apple of the earth. Poets name it in Greek, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, quote, human formed, because it has a root that resembles the human form. Uh, its bark, mixed with wine, is given to drinking to those whose bodies need to undergo surgery, fucking gets your high as shit, so that they are sedated and feel no pain. There are two kinds of mandrake. The female, with leaves like lettuces, producing fruits similar to plums, and the male with leaves like the beets. So, there is a late antique source saying that there was, in fact, female mandrakes. Is this actually accurate to reality? I, I don't fucking think so. Probably not. Because he was usually <laughs> full of shit. But I also looked up Hildegard von Bingen's Physica. Hildegard von Bingen was, of course, an okay. abbess in the 7th century. She's very popular. She wrote a fuck ton. Probably in Latin. Okay. Uh, look, this is important. Probably in Latin. Uh, Julian, she was educated. There were some cases that people wrote in the vernacular, especially women, because they weren't always terribly educated. But like Julian of Norwich. Uh, anyway, who cares? A mandrake. It grew from the same earth which formed Adam and resembles the human a bit. Uh, because of its similarity to the human, the influence of the devil appears in it and stays with it more than other plants. No wonder these mandrake women are protecting the devil's shit. See, it all ties into the story. I see. So that's why the... Yes. You talk about the story, in fact. If a man, though magic or the burning... Through magic or the burning heat of his body suffers from lewdness, he should take a root of female mandrake. She probably is basing the idea of there being a female mandrake as opposed to a male on Isidore, who wrote that six centuries earlier, which was has been cleansed as mentioned he should tie it between his chest and belly button for three days and three nights later he should divide it into two parts and just keep one part tied over each side of his groin for three days and three nights also he should pulverize the left Seems hand of the same image and add a bit of camphor to this powder eating it will cure him so invest this root with your gross sweaty body grind it up and eat it Okay, if a woman suffers with the same art okay. in her body... <laughs> I think... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, it's just more putting it in sweaty parts of your body. Yeah. Um, yeah is so there anything it else? It's gross and you eat it, and then you do it. Yeah, and the I don't is think, an enemy. No, that's relevant to the book. 
in this game. And the Mandrake is an enemy, and it's in league with the devil. Uh, yes, yeah, so someone is always sad and always in hardship, so that he has a pain and weakness constantly in his heart. He should take Mandrake. Uh, so that seems like your advice. If the devil has uh, put a bunch of fucking rocks in your kingdom and the orb has come unto you, then take the magic orb and you have become a paddle. <laughs> then guide the magic orb uh, through the rocks and into the mandrake. Pulverize the mandrake with the magic orb. And I that mandrake will probably restore the land. Yes. Maybe. So, to anyway, clarify why you would want why staving off the devil with Mandrake Root would be important in this game is because uh, is because of the story of this game, which um, I would like, to, which I think we should talk about. That's what I think we should talk about the story of the video game we're talking about. Um, so we're going to move on to the story of the video game. That's what we're doing. I'm sorry. That's what we're doing. But if it is pulled from the earth, hmm. <laughs> hey, Sean, so, hey, guess what I found? I found the 1911 Encyclopedia Britannica. Jesus of <laughs> fucking Christ! <laughs> <laughs> So, let's go to the manual for a moment and look at the story of this game, because uh, I believe this game has one of the greatest stories of a video game ever. The story, as per the manual, uh, and this will sort of make the Mandrake thing make more sense, I hope. Uh, the story, long ago... A fleshy, orange-colored berry. <laughs> <laughs> long ago, in a far-off land... There lived a prince and a princess. The goodness of their friendship was known throughout the land and given the blessings of all the country's people. A person envious of such happiness, living in the deep northern underground of his country, he did this evil, ugly thing. Ganma, the lord of darkness. That prince and princess... I'll change this ugliness, which lies before me. Ganma dropped some rocks from the sky, and the land was covered with stones and demons. The prince and princess became two paddles of stone. Illustration. <laughs> it's time! Suddenly, with a dazzling flash out of the sky, a blue transparent sphere, there you go, Bob, there's your enemy, uh, dropped between the prince and the princess. For some reason, this sphere contained a mysterious power that could thwart the magic of Ganma. That's the story. The end. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> Why even bother? <laughs> I like that they thought about it a lot and then just stopped. Yep. Okay, well, did they tell you that the, the blue sphere is actually a hostile... is actually hostile to you and doesn't want you to succeed? What if that, like, what if that was explicit in the game? Would that, like, would that make you feel better about this game, Bob? No, actually, it would make me feel... It would make me hate it even more because then that means that it's... That how badly the game plays is intentional. <laughs> I like I like the section names in this specifically about the paddles is really a nice section name and just about the paddles I love that that's my favorite movie Fennel gets two pages in translation I think we might have actually 
slipped into labyrinth zone by mistake since this is usually where we read research stuff but like let's let's keep the manual stuff here in fantasy zone uh for now let me call out the cover for the japanese version of the game bad omen which actually the print the prince and princess are actually on the bottom of the paddles and you can see them flying you can actually like see them on that on the on the illustration and I'm just going to assume that it's supposed to look like that in-game, even though it doesn't look like that in-game, because trying to find something nice to say about this game makes me a little bit happier. Just taking that ball in the face over and over again. No, they're, they're, actually, they're actually chilling on the, other, on the uh, underside of the paddles. I appreciate how the red paddle is both figuratively and literally atop. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the girl. The red paddle is is the princess. Yeah, they're hard to find, but there are definitely some girl tops out there. <laughs> <laughs> and she's the the proactive one who does all of the work in this game. This game is sexist, but in a different way. Like hey, a dude who just recognizes that a, the woman in the relationship, the woman in the relationship, eh, is. Uh, uh, a man, a gentleman, <laughs> a fellow who realizes that I'm a good support player, but this lady here, she's got the goods that'll bring this ball home, and I fucking don't. So I'm just going to hang back here while she goes flying all over the playfield. I mean, if that's not progressive for a Genesis game... From like 1990 or whatever the fuck. What is? <laughs> I can tell whoever did the illustration for the logo played the game because they put the blue sphere in the bad omen logo. They're telling you the ball is a bad omen. <laughs> to, to comment on this, this box again, there's a detail about this I absolutely love. The prince and princess are made of stone and on the bottom of the paddles in the Japanese box art. But I don't think we mentioned that the princess is wearing a flowy robe, and the dude is naked, but he his uh his dick is hidden with uh with a cloth. So the dude is weird and naked for no reason, and the lady is is dressed in actual clothes. This is an unusual reversal. And uh, are you are you are you saying you have a problem with male presenting nipples? <laughs> I'm not saying I have a problem with it. I'm saying that it's it's a rare thing to see the dude be the ludicrously dressed, basically naked one, and the lady not being that. It's a very ostentatiously out there rock cloth. If the point of view was the other side, you might be able to see some rock dick. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that that is the case. Okay, well, my my argument would be that we, I 100% know that she's a princess, and therefore we must protect her modesty. I'm not sure that that dude is a prince or a duke or fucking whatever. I think he's just an, uh, an asshole knight who's just there because, you know, he's trying to fuck her or something and get a kingdom. I think he's trying to do a Frozen. The blue paddle is a reply guy. <laughs> what if, what if, the, what if uh, the princess uh, requested that mode of dress and he's just obliging her? What if he's rock hard? Get it? Because he's made of stone. Wait, wait, wait. So are are you implying that he requested 
or she requested that mode of dress from when she was turned into a petal. As established, she is a top. Okay, but she she got dressed like that. She, she, they looked like that after no, they, they were turned into the petals. That's just how they were dressed when they got turned into the paddles. I am pretty sure they were fully clothed in that cutscene that I've seen once. <laughs> okay, so the demon like so so the demon likes the naked dude. It's it's cool. I'm cool with that choice by the demon. You know you know what else has tops? Beyblade. I'd like to talk to you about Beyblade in this 350 paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet Beyblade has better physics in this game. Probably. But okay, any any other aesthetic things that are just on the tip of everybody's tongue here that they would like to discuss? You should probably you should probably just embed like every single track of music from this from this version in this section instead of everything that we just said. Yeah, except, just... For, except for all the Mandagore stuff. You should you should have you should have that as background music to the Mandagore all the Mandagore research. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, good. that's <laughs> if I, if I have the space for it, and I will. Yeah, I'll just reiterate that again. I'll just, I'm probably going to have to reuse music for this episode, so I'll just lean into that. Tiger's editing note, I did not. Just uh, do what I'm going to do with games that don't have music in the future and play your favorite Sega Genesis songs that have nothing to do with this game. Or some bluegrass. Or, you see, you see like, you could just do that. You could just steal music from Gauntlet 4, which, guess what? Hitoshi Sakamoto did music for that, and he uses the same sound driver, so they sound the fucking same. No one will ever know unless they played the games. And no one, no one plays video games anymore. So <laughs> it's a dead art. I mean, it, it's it's a totally lost art. Lost art of things like putting in presentable ball physics and making things look good on on non-scan line screens and fucking shoving dithering all over the place. Can I I say that like okay. They name specifically that there's the basic formation, the L formation, and the reverse L formation in the manual, which I like. I like that. Oh, yeah. It's a fucking L day! Formation. It's not of our first L! The reverse <laughs> L formation. It's a reverse L reverse formation. L. It's a it's a All the formations. Standard. L formation. Reverse L formation. Whoa, dude, where'd you get that upside down M at? <laughs> Suddenly, a healthy state. <laughs> so yeah, let's move on to investigation because we're getting off track, and I think we should be not investigation. Oh my god! Ha! <laughs> I crossed you the got street. Infected. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. We can we can go we can go back in the Mandagora chat. Well, technically, that would actually have been better for Labyrinth Zone, which is where we're going to go. We're going to the Labyrinth Zone now because, like, I don't know. There's probably aesthetic stuff to talk about the game, but okay, you, you don't know. You heard him. Just, just do do another Mandagora hijack. We're doing okay. We're going to the <laughs> Labyrinth Zone now. We're going to the Labyrinth Zone. You know, I've never seen that movie, Labyrinth. And if someone is always sad and always in hardship, so that he has pain and weakness constantly in his heart, he should take Mandrake. Okay, okay, I'm just gonna say what Labyrinth Zone is now. I've lost the plot here. I've lost it. We're so lost. Like we're in a labyrinth! Welcome to the Labyrinth Zone! Uh, this is the zone where we talk about 
side information about the game. We talk about the game in context. We talk about the history of the game. We talk about weird stuff we found out while researching the game, and we read from the manual, typically, sometimes. Um, but we did a lot of that in Fantasy Zone, so I guess if there's other graphical stuff to talk about, you can just drop it in here if you remembered that. But yeah, so... What stuff did people dig up about the game? I guess a lot about Mandragoras, and, but like, who's Hot Beat? That's the thing. This game was developed by a game company called Hot Beat. Who is Hot Beat? Where yeah, is Hot I know. Beat? I know, I know, I, I know Hot this. Beat. Hot Beat. It's, they're a publisher, they do a lot of game stuff, or did a lot of game stuff, but the name, it's not just some weird, uh, mangled English, it's actually an acronym which is itself kind of mangled uh, English, because it stands for He's Over There Because That's incredible And then eventually they underwent some buyouts and mergers and they rebranded as That Ho Over There <laughs> Okay, actually they, re they rebranded, they super rebrand they actually rebranded as Starfish and Starfish came back and they actually did like they actually did like some DS versions of a lot of games Hot B actually made or published like Devilish uh, Steel Empire there's probably a third one they made a lot of I'm sure they made games um, they made a fishing game it's called King Salmon fishing weird. is cool weird that they no, it's released not. them on Instagram though <laughs> fishing sucks Fishing is great. Fishing is the most relaxing thing you can do. It's, it's more relaxing than this game. I beg you I you go out. <laughs> no, you just you go out and you go out. You just go to a lake. You get some beer. You cast out and you, you wait for shit to happen. It's like the best excuse to drink that's not bowling. Holy shit! Hot B made Crackdown. I love that game. Oh, big on the Xbox 360. Down. Yeah, the <laughs> Xbox 360 Crackdown. They also did a game called Kageki. Which, if you've never played, is so much worse than this Kageki game. Is, Kageki is the king of games, and I will not hear a, a, a single oh, word yeah. said against they it. Couldn't even, they couldn't even program the graphics right. Everything is so washed out. It looks like it looks like a Mugen character drawn by an eight-year-old. Kageki is Kageki is the king of games. You're, you're wrong. 100% wrong. If not liking Kageki is wrong, then I don't want to be right. Also, I, I'm going to be an asshole, so, like, Hot, so Hot B's American Arm is Sage's creation, which published that, and Crackdown, the, the Xbox 360 version of Crackdown that everyone loves, and Kageki, Kageki, I think, was, like, a Kaneko game, and Kaneko has their own little history of jank, but Kageki is the king of games, so we respect it anyway. How, how much for Kageki's private Snapchat? I I have a question here. Are is this a joke or is the Genesis Crackdown actually related to the Xbox Crackdown? No, no, it's a joke. The the, okay. the Genesis the Genesis Crackdown is based on the arcade game Crackdown by Sega. Okay. Cuz I was getting really confused here cuz I remember going through this and finding out those are not the same thing and now it <laughs> sounded like they were the same thing and that's that's good to know. Crackdown is a game about you 
is about red dude and blue dude, and they go into a base and they're planting bombs. And the last level is you plant bombs around the body of Baphomet and blow them up. Haters will say it's Photoshop, but those horns were real, 100%, and we had to blow them up. I don't get what you're referencing, but I like I like it. Hackgun rules. Thank you to Thought B for bringing it out over here. That hoe over there be gone. <laughs> so, I, I am cur- curious about this. This game is kind of a... This, I've heard it listed as a sequel, but I played a very small portion of the Game Gear game. And the Game Gear game seemed... More, like, it seemed more like a remake of the Game Gear game than a sequel from what little I played of the Game Gear game. Uh, Bob, you mentioned something about playing the Game Gear game. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that and the DS game? Because I feel like this is a good place to put those. Okay, so this is this is how it goes. So let's let's start with the Genesis game. It is aesthetically brilliant, and it plays like hot fucking garbage. The Game Gear game is actually okay. It has semi reasonable ball physics. It's also actually really easy. I beat it the first time I played it. There are, you can actually get into like one up loops and you could just try it over and over again, which is important because the last boss is fucking bullshit because the only weak point it has is on the, is on the very top of it. And as you can imagine, even with slightly better ball physics, it's still dumb. Uh, the DS version has what you would expect from a breakout game in terms of ball physics. Like when you, when the ball hits the paddle, it reasonably reacts like how you think it would. So therefore, it is the best playing game, but also it is, um, uh, it looks and sounds like a dumpster fire. And also, you can scroll backwards into levels when they when it's scrolling from side to side, so you can actually go back. Um, and if you die, you have to start the level over again. So it's also terrible in its own unique way. It looks like shit. <laughs> Holy fuck, this is an ugly game. <laughs> Like, just to give people at home, listeners, hi, uh, an idea of what we're looking at. There's a lot of brown. It, it looks like a war-torn fantasy town, except instead of any grass or dirt, it's all bricks. And even the like the enemies are like just brown. Like, there's this big spider. It's brown. It's got a purple outline. I guess that's nice. But it's just, this is ugly as fuck. It looks like <laughs> somebody did RPG Maker graphics, like, wrong. Like, ah, uh, I hate it. It's 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 dire and it sounds dire and it also came out when it came out in America I think it was like fifteen dollars so I think that's the explanation right there. Oh my god, this ice level has got this blue repeating tile that's like super complex but obviously repeats every sixteen or thirty two pixels or something. That's like sixteen pixels, and it's horrible. <laughs> it's so distracting. Wow, that that tile set is making my eyes bleed. It's really bad. Yeah, well, now imagine seeing it, but also, but also seeing it scrolling. And these graphics look like they're they're clip art from like Windows ninety five or something. Like, there's something really wrong with this. So the one thing I didn't talk about in the DS version. So the the second paddle you control can actually it's actually got um eight, like uh, eight positions of rotation. So you can actually do like ninety degree turns and what have you, and you can do that, and you can do that stuff because the ball physics aren't fucking horseshit. And the blue sphere isn't constantly trying to murder itself. Were all DS games this ugly and I just forgot? No. There no, no, they're actually yeah. they're actually good looking DS games that they're just like there are there are a few that are just like, hey, this is basically a PlayStation game. That's true. I guess some of the Castlevania games, like specifically um 
uh, Dawn of Sorrow actually looks pretty good. Yeah, like uh, Salado Robo looks pretty great too. I like the 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 two uh, Crystal Chronicle games are basically like uh, the look and the feel of them are basically uh, you know Threads of Fate or Brave Fencer Musashi uh, Redux. I, I gotta say that you posting the link to Corn Buster and then me posting a picture of Donkey Kong uh, Jungle Climber where he's climbing giant cobs of corn, not related. But Corn Buster is such a good name for a game. Bust that corn. <laughs> but so, yes, DS game is bad, Genesis game bad. Game Gear version, pretty okay. You should play that and then enjoy that. And then also, the Game Gear version is the first game ever made by Genki, who was the best the best people ever play Genki games. I'd like to bring up a game I forgot I had played and actually own a legal copy of as a ROM called Corn Buster. Has anyone other than me played Corn Buster? I played Corn Buster a long, long time ago because I saw the name in a list of ROMs and I just loaded it up. I remember exactly nothing about it. <laughs> Looking at these screenshots and I'm like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> no, oh. no, but I had a phase in middle school where I listened to their music a lot. <laughs> I would never bust corn. I pay people to bust corn in front of me. So, ladies. <laughs> so, the reason I want to bring up Cornbuster is because it's a devilish clone that I should have played before the podcast so I could have something to compare it to, but I only just remembered it now. It is a devilish clone, and from what I remember, it has much more Arkanoid like ball physics it may actually be the promised, like, devilish game that, that delivers on it. However, it is called Cornbuster. It's called Cornbuster. I'm playing it now. I'm going to load it up. I'm definitely going to stream Cornbuster at some point soon. Okay, does, does it actually deliver on the promise? Does it have t- uh, Hitoshi Sakamoto music? Does it have... No, the aesthetics fucking suck. That doesn't deliver on anything. It's that it's just a, it's just a game that plays well. Oh my god, this looks like a click and play game so far. <laughs> okay, okay, never forget what I said. Then ten out of ten. It has a world <laughs> map. It has a little town you walk around in, and then there's a map that you pick with your lizard hand. By the way, you're a lizard, I guess. So the, the two this kind of like goes off and it's like instead of playing any devilish game, maybe you should. Go play. There's a couple of game modern games that do this. There's Wizard, uh, Strikey Sisters. Should play one of those games. Is that They're an not anime? Terrible. I don't really like Wizard. Is that an anime? Or just Strikey Strikey Sisters is not an anime. It just looks like it. It, it is uh, Strikey Sisters is made by I think it's like D Dia or D Y A Games, and they've done some other games like uh, Bot Vice, and I'm sure they've made something else, and I can't think of it. But it kind of it's kind of like the same kind of thing as Wizard, where it's like you know single stages, but instead of uh, you know you're controlling a paddle, you actually control one of the sisters, and it's kind of like a, a kind of got like a squash thing going on where you're physically swinging and hitting the ball. I'm watching footage of Cornbuster right now. It really does look like devilish, but with ball physics that makes sense. Why do they look so much like animes? Why are you trying to trick me? I said they look. I just said it's not anime. I just said they look like it. What's the difference? <laughs> okay, well, if I draw it, it's not anime. If a Japanese person draws it, it's anime. And if a French person draws it, it's anime. What if in drawing the anime form, 
you transmute yourself into wait. Art is not alchemy. You can't. You can't. It doesn't work like this. I think it just might. So, anything else about this game? Did Did anyone dig up anything else about this game? Does anyone? Cornbuster sucks. This game sucks. I was wrong. Don't make this. Don't make devilish anything like this. I would rather die a lot than play this game. It's so boring. One day, someone will will combine Cornbuster and Devilish to be the game that we all want. One day, we'll all be busting corn in hell. <laughs> well, you know, you could play, like, a good game that's kind of got on the same wavelength. Like, I don't know, Kirby's Pinball Land? The, the, there's the Kirby Tilt and Tumble game, which is similarly there, kind of bizarre. There is literally a Kirby Breakout game. There is literally a Kirby Breakout game for Game Boy. Okay, then why the fuck would you play this? You could play a good game made by a competent developer... With a character that doesn't suck ass. Cornbuster is literally, I'm just scrolling through an entire level and I have no idea what's happening. The ball is attached to my paddle and I just keep scrolling up. This doesn't make any sense. That, that actually sounds like devilish once you learn how to play it. Oh my god, it just keeps going. I think I hit a glitch within five minutes of playing this game. Well, it was never released, except it is now. You can buy it. You can buy a ROM. I legally own it. It's bizarre. I, I believe that I believe they call ROMs you can buy cartridges. No, it's not on the cartridge though. It's a ROM. Yes, and if you buy it, it is now a cartridge. It, it, is, it doesn't have to exist like corporeally. Okay, this is it's science. It it is now a cart. You can you 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 can you can physically reach it to your monitor screen and rip it and then shove it back into your computer and now it's a ROM. And with that thought, we've stumbled our way out of the labyrinth. Thought B. Cornbuster. I really want to know how we're to get on that private Snapchat. <laughs> and into the Death Egg Zone. Cornbuster has become glitch art. I kind of want to do an emergency next session on Cornbuster now. Uh, <laughs> no, it's worth exactly two seconds of thought, but this okay, is pretty can we, incredible. Can we do it as a salary man. Okay. Uh... Wow, that looks like hot fucking garbage. Why would I play? Why would I subject my eyes to this? <laughs> it's, I, I've glitched past the level, and I'm now just roaming around. I assume in random memory or something. <laughs> I'm fascinated by what bad games you like and are really compelled by Bob compared to what bad games I like and I am compelled by. You do not want to start me on the subject. This is a separate podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's a separate podcast. Anyway, welcome to the Death Egg Zone. In the Death Egg Zone, we each give our Death Egg, which is consistent of two components. One, I give everybody a space to talk about the game and give their final summary of the game, maybe say a couple things about the game they wanted to say earlier but couldn't fit in, and I also asked them to give a standardized rating of 1 to 7 fucking hateful magic blue orbs. I just I just want to say that I have fully ascended in Cornbuster. <laughs> I have escaped the limits of the game, and I have brought the orb into real life. I've brought the corn into my heart. 
Death eggs! Death eggs! <laughs> well, from me to you, and back into me, I give it two and a half out of seven of the eight dwarfs. Isidore tells us that all species of birds are born twice, that they are born first as eggs, after which they are formed and animated by the warmth of their mother's body. Eggs, ovum, are so called because they are moist, Uvitis. Once also grapes, Uva, are so named because they are full of liquid inside. Whatever has liquid on the outside is wet, Uvitis. Whatever has it on the inside is moist. Some believe that egg has a Greek source for the term. The Greeks say, Greek word, with the letter V left out, some eggs are conceived by means of empty wind, but eggs are not fertile Wait. unless they have been conceived by coition with a male and have been penetrated. <laughs> some eggs are conceived by empty wind? Like, conceived conceived by means of empty wind. That's just farting Eggs are out. not fertile... They are not fertile unless they have been conceived by coach. He's, he's saying that the eggs that you eat and you buy from the supermarket are created through empty wind. Fart yes. eggs. Not it. They're conceived fart. through means of empty wind. They are fart eggs. People say that the strength of eggs is such that wood-soaked with egg doesn't burn, and not even clothing becomes scorched. And when mixed with lime, it is said to goof a glass together. I am submitting that the blue orb is an egg. And that is why it is so strong and filled with hate. It was conceived by farts, and so it can birth nothing. And what I have been taught by many, many, many filmed entertainments and books is that when one cannot conceive a child, one becomes enraged and does violence. That is just uh, the nature of human beings and eggs. It's sad, but you can't ignore science and misogynistic fiction. Are, are we about to sit down and watch Possession and or something? That is why I am going to soak my wood with a death egg. Then that wood will never die, paradoxically. This game is okay. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't recommend that anyone actually play it. There may, there may be a version of this game. There's like a, a platonic ideal of this game that might be worth playing, but that game is not this game, as we have said. Everything about this game is good, except for the game part. Sadly, they left the game part on cutting room floor, much like an, an egg that is conceived through farts. Uh, thank you. This has been my TED Talk about eggs. That honestly is one of my favorite death eggs so far. <laughs> okay, it's your time to shine, Bob. Uh, how do you follow that up? Hi. This is a bad game. Go on YouTube. Type the words devilish OST into your bar, smash the enter button, and click shit, and then just listen to that instead of ever playing this or anything. For the love of God, don't, don't do this to yourself. I, I'm begging you. There are so many other games on the system. 
that you could be playing games that actually tried, games that care. You could fucking play Awesome Possum. Awesome Possum's a fantastic thing in comparison. In comparison. Okay, I'm going to fight about that if we keep going by down down this road. <laughs> awesome Possum is a fucking masterpiece. It is a god-awful amalgam of terrible 90s trends, like mascot platforming, super cynical corporate environmentalism, literally ripping off Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, the full title of the game is Awesome Possum Kicks Dr. Machino's Butt. Says it on the title screen. The game never runs above the frame rate of 15 frames per second, which is impressive, because it's not fucking doing anything. There are levels you can literally beat just running right and holding the jump button. That plays and looks... It doesn't sound better. Better than devilish. Ever possibly could. There is no hateful blue sphere of death in it. There's nothing in that game that hates you, except for the eagle when you get a question wrong about the environment. It looks only like, what the fuck are you doing? Why don't you know about the environment? You're a fucking possum. You're trying to save the world, and you can't even fucking tell me how many tons of trash are recycled in a year. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> that is the best part of Awesome Possum. Like, there's, like, the Genesis is home to a lot of god-awful jank. But at least, you know, they're interesting jank. I like a lot of god-awful Genesis jank. I just fucking, you know, did a two-minute screed about how Awesome Possum is actually awesome. It's not actually awesome. You you probably should never play it. It's really bad. It's really bad. Yes, but playing it makes you a stronger person. It makes Bubsy seem like Sonic the Hedgehog. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Awesome Possum is better than Bubsy. Okay, like, I'm not. Let's. We could go on a whole podcast someday. We could. We, we, we. I don't. I don't. I don't trust Bubsy. I don't trust any animal who talks at me. But awesome, I don't trust Awesome Possum either. <laughs> Do you see how he fucking jumps? I don't trust that. I, he's a possum. He's he is biologically designed to lie. <laughs> I should trust him. Incredible. <laughs> Possums are biologically designed to lie. That's racist. <laughs> This it's game. not racist. Possums aren't a race. <laughs> Speciesist. Thank you. <laughs> Whatever. I'm. I'm. I'm glad that one of the death animations in Awesome Possum is him falling to the ground and then decomposing to a skeleton. Um, devilish. Zero. Fucking hate. Blues. Hateful blue spheres out of seven. Play a game. Better game with Sakamoto music like uh, Gauntlet. For Captain America and the Avengers, although you should be playing the arcade version because it's year 2019 and you should just fucking play the better version anyway. Midnight Resistance. Uh, I'm sure there's another game that he did music for in Genesis that I will think of. You could play Kingdom Grand Prix, that he did music for that too. That game rules. There you go. Play play game with good music. Or Awesome Possum, Phallus, Marvel Land. Um, let me think of some other games. Marvel Land uh, is also really good. I really like Marvel Land. Marvel Land is the best platformer on the system. Fight me. Not sure I agree with that, but it's very good and you should play it. I, I said you should fight me. Come on, let's go. I want to move on to Ramona if you're done. Well, the suffering never ends as long as the, as long as the Blue Sphere is around. 
uh, this game was bad, and this show is making my ADD hurt. And, <laughs> uh, it looked cool, it sounded fine, but it played terribly, and I don't mind games that are trashy or, you know, quote-unquote, objectively good, so long as it actually works. Like, I can play Super Highlight, and it's fine, but Devilish gave me grief, and that's... You can have all these awesome graphics and sound, but if I can't actually see them because your game is bullshit, then what's the point? Anyway, if I had a regular gig at IGN, I would probably say, like, oh, this game gave me blue balls or something. It gets a two and a half. I'll give it two and a half out out of ten. That's a good score. I don't even review games on a score, but I'll do that score. Play Crackdown instead. The Xbox 360 game. If, if, if this game gave you blue balls, did that mean it made you want to come, but you couldn't? That's me. I, I'm canceled for being too horny on main. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm going to try and connect some threads here because they're in my mind and I'm not, I'm not doing a good job. So excuse me while I ramble for a while. Um, when we I was hate kid, rambling here. Nobody oh, that's true. Rambles. I better be to the point. Yeah. Hold Nobody on. Let me open my copy. I'm fucking watching you. <laughs> Let me open up my copy of Moby Dick and turn to page 386 and read a random paragraph. Hold on. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get my copy of Clarell. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. Right. Um, I have a folder called ADHD in my, in my, uh, bookmarks so um when i was a kid i played a lot of games that weren't quite the right game so i didn't play breakout or arkanoid i played morath's blast and i thought it was pretty cool and that was my idea of what breakout was for a long time then i played arkanoid i'm like oh this is a pretty different game when I, i played a game called invasion of the mutant space bats of doom i didn't know what galaga was but it turns out that invasion of the mutant space bats of doom was a Galaga clone on DOS. And that's what I thought the game was. When I played Galaga, I was like, how dare they rip off Invasion of the Mutant Space Bats of Doom, which also, by the way, is a, I think, metal band from New Zealand. So you should, you should look them up. They sound pretty good. I just, I just found them. Anyway, point being that if, if I had played um, Devilish before I knew what Breakout was, like if it had hit me before that awareness of the, even the idea of a, ball and bat game as it were i would have very different expectations i think of video games as a whole <laughs> this game freaks me out it makes me mad it, it it i keep playing it anyway for a while and then i just want to turn it off and i hate it but then it tells me that there is a score that i could beat a time in the game and that makes me want to play it more i don't know what to do with this game i just have no fucking idea so i give this game uh three point six nine uh hateful fucking blue balls out of seven it's it's a little better than half of a game the end so at last we come to our hostess's opinion i'm gonna give this game three hateful blue orbs out of seven i rated it higher than you i'm using the ign scale though so that's like (laughs) (laughs) i just threw it in the trash and said eight out of ten the IGN scale, it's a bad, it, it goes from god hand to ten. It's good to have a have a zero point. But yeah, I don't know. I liked this game. 
I still like this game. And it's imprecise. Like, that's sort of the problem. It's imprecise, it's unpredictable, it's chaotic. But, like I've mentioned a lot, I really do like it when a game is, I don't know, trying something. And this game really feels like it's trying something. And and it feels like a really good idea that's half-baked to me. And the reason I really liked it is I've played some games like uh, Wizorb or Wizball. Those are two different games. One of them is what I'm talking about and one is not. Oh, look up the intro song to Wizball. It's really, 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 really good. I like this game. I, like, I don't know. I like the idea of having more fine control over the paddle. And I like the idea of having more fine control over the ball. I don't know what it was, but I found this game about as easy to control as any other breakout game I've played. And I don't know what it is about me. I thought this game, while difficult in some ways, was easy in other ways. And I just found it a really compelling game to play. I thought it was a clever way to set up a breakout clone. I thought it was a better way to set up a breakout clone than a lot of breakout clones I've thought. And I guess when I'm playing it, I'm thinking about the much better game it could be than what it is. And that's probably a bad way to review a game. But once we're looking at these old ROM sets where it doesn't matter, like our opinions on this aren't going to have anything to do with sales. It's going to be nothing. I like the idea of saying, hey, check out this weird game with some interesting ideas. Play it for five minutes and then delete it off your hard drive. You'll probably think that was kind of an interesting five minutes. And that's what this game is to me. It's this great five minutes of this kind of sucks, but it's a really interesting kind of suck to me. And the music's really good. And that's, and this is almost like the perfect example of that for me. So what I'm saying is this game kind of sucks, but it's kind of interesting. So play it for five minutes and then delete it off your hard drive. That's why it's a three. I, I think that that's perfect because there really isn't anything like devilish in the way that devilish does it. And like, even though, pinball adventure games have kind of seen a weird renaissance there aren't really many breakout adventure games so yeah it's a fair point don't no, instead of playing it for five minutes no you should play it until you beat it you should inflict maximum suffering upon your person you want to embed the blue orb and all of its hatred into your psyche you want to become one with it I wonder if the reason I, I like this better was because, like, when it got to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm not getting any farther than this without tearing out my hair, I said, you know what? I'm good. I've played quite a bit of it and experienced, I think, what I'm going to experience. No, no, no. It's it's about the game presented me a challenge, and I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do it. And then the game was like, oh, by the way, some of the some of the aspects of the challenge are fucking bullshit. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to beat this out of spite of myself. And all these people, some who have worked on this game, who probably don't care about this game anymore, and or are dead. Fuck all of them. And especially fuck me. <laughs> I played your fucking game, assholes. I did it. Yeah, pretty much. That was my reaction at the ending when it's like, oh, you beat it on normal. It's like, hey, challenge hard mode. And I was like, hey, no, fuck you. I'm just listening to the music from uh, Arkanoid on the uh, Commodore 64, composed by Martin Galway, who also did the music for Whizball, previously mentioned. And it's just, you know what? It's very good. It's very good. You should listen to that, too. Like you mentioned, the sort of like, you know, the the ball, you know, the ball, you, you had no problem really controlling the ball. It's like the issue isn't that 
The issue isn't 100% the ball physics. Like, I think they've compensated a little bit for the fact that you can do weird shit with the paddles. Like, you can do the L and the reverse L formation and other nonsense by making the ball kind of like, you actually have to guide the ball along. And it's super uh, it's exemplified against the the Mandagora boss, the third, the well, technically it's the second boss. On the, it's the boss on the third level where you actually have to bounce the ball and all all sorts of different angles to actually beat this boss in a reasonable time frame. And I'm just going to tell you that you should just shove your paddle up against the ball and, and the boss and then hope that it bounces off each of them a billion times and it dies really fast. And then you run out of time getting out to the exit, which is a fucking bullshit thing that you should do in a game. Also, I want to give a shout out to the first boss where if you, you sometimes if you lose a ball on the first boss, which you shouldn't be doing anyway, but if, if that happens to you, he can just like dunk on you immediately. Once the ball comes back, it's great. So that's what we thought about that game. We we've, Close the book on that chapter of the book of Mega Drive, and it's time to see what's ahead for us. This is a very special episode, as we've come to a very special time in the podcast, where uh, where there there where not only are we going to announce the next three games that are going to get voted on, those aren't going to be what you hear next week. The, well, not next week, but the next time. You're going to vote on those right after you've heard this. But what we're going to actually play next is going to be a Mega Driver's Choice. And we're going to do these approximately every four episodes, I think. Um, A Mega Driver's Choice, essentially what that is, is I asked everybody who's been on the podcast so far, what game on any Sega console do they want us to talk about? And I'm going to randomize everyone, and we're going to find out what the next game is it might not even be a genesis mega drive game but first let's find out what we're voting for for the episode after that i hope this isn't too confusing for anyone there will be a test later i don't know about you but i'm ready to embrace chaos embrace chaos because you know if i win we're going to maximum chaos i wholly don't expect my i don't expect to win so i think you're all safe for now god i I'm so sorry, everyone, because it's pro- it's going to be bad when we vote. <sighs> so here's what we're going to vote on. I'm going to save the, the Mega Driver's Choice because it's probably going to be better. It might not be, but it's probably going to be better. So hopefully best for last. But here's what we're going to vote on next, but not what the next episode is going to be. The episode after awesome that. Awesome Pasha. <laughs> that, is, that is not the full title of the game. It's Awesome Possum Kicks Dr. Machino's Butt. So here's what we're going to vote on next time, and I already feel the pain coming on. Pocahontas! Yes! Oh my god. Are you ready to paint with all the colors of the wind? I'm sorry for interrupting you. (laughs) Ferrari Grand Prix Challenge F1 Hero MD Nakajima Satoru Kanshu JP! That sounds extremely relatable. And... I think we fucking got this one before, and it came back. Tom and Jerry frantic antics. Are you kidding me? I am what not. What alphabet are you using? Everyone, I'm using what you told me to use. How could, how, how could you not want to play that game? It's based on the wonderful Tom and Jerry movie. 
Everyone vote for Pocahontas so you can hear a bunch of white people try to wrestle with Disney's oh, Pocahontas. God. Please don't do that. To Please us. do it to us. No, no, do it. Look, no, no. Vote, vote for the Tom and Jerry movie game, so then we can we can piss on the spirit of Tony J. And if we put okay, if we get the Tom and Jerry movie game, uh, I will I will have a, a special screening for all of the the Mega Drivers of the movie, so the movie can also be discussed because I love doing shit. Yes, like that. yes, yes. Oh my god, yes. that's also we love money. <laughs> So I it looks so like Pocahontas has a selection wheel of animal spirits. So it's very promising. Pocahontas is an interesting shit game. I will give it that. It's an interesting little game, even if I don't like playing it. Great, you got the spirit of the squirrel. Now you can climb trees throughout the forest. Oh no. So Wait. do you do you do you turn into a squirrel or does Pocahontas climb the trees? Pocahontas climbs the tree because the squirrel taught her how to do it. This is an adventure game. It's by Funcom, the people who would go on to make like the longest journey and shit. You mean you mean Nightmare Circus. You found the spirit of the otter. Now you can dive and swim. There was a non zero chance the next game I randomly select might be Nightmare Circus. Nightmare Circus is a fucking nonsensical labyrinth of nonsense, and um, we should subject everyone to it. Well, we might, because that's what Rudy picked for their choice. Anyway. <laughs> um, here's a little uh, uh, a Snex thing that nobody else knows. Um, so if you're listening to this, you know, it's on the Snex feed, but you probably hate Genesis games if you're a Snex fan. So, you know, I, you know what? When I get three games I think are horrible, I skip them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I put my thumb on the scales and I'll change which ones we're voting on. So when, when I randomize that list, I'm just telling you this because I think it's funny. I don't That's always fair, pick the top but three. I still want to vote for these three because I think we can have an interesting cast oh, yeah, any of them. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I, I just thought this was a pertinent time to share that I have definitely made the vote more to what I thought would be good. <laughs> I think that Pocahontas would be a true nightmare and I love it in the best, in, in the worst possible way and the best possible way. I think it'd be great. Okay. The thing with yeah, that is, I fucking is that... believe my whole life has been a lie. <laughs> See, the thing with that is, is that all this jank, all this, all these terrible games, that's part of the single life. You know, you gotta take, you gotta take the good with the bad. Okay. That's kind of, that's kind of why I'm doing it because like, just playing through the random selection of games on that I have on my giant wall of games I bought from Yuji Naka. <laughs> um, I, I pull one down that looks interesting and I play it. And yeah, that's just, I'm just trying to convey that experience. So did anybody play Cyber Dogs on DOS? No, but you know what? <laughs> we are going to play what I'm going to randomly generate right now. This is what we're going to actually ooh, 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 ooh. play for the next podcast. And this is exciting because people picked pick me, pick me. If pick they're me, bad, me. you have a person to blame. If you have, if they're good, we have a person to thank. Pick me, pick me. Hit that button. Spin to win. Me. Spin to win. Spin to win. Spin no to whammies, win. No whammies, no whammies, Spin no whammies, no whammies, no Spin to win. <laughs> Holy shit, Kania, you're first. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're playing uh, a surprisingly uh, a, a, a surprisingly grounded take. We're playing Bonanza Brothers. Uh, can't believe <laughs> everyone escaped from the Iron Fist of Alex Kid. Uh, that's an okay game, I guess. Yeah, that's not the fucking point, Bob. It's no Pocahontas, but you know, 
we might See, if you if you wanted people if you wanted people to actually suffer, you would have picked one of the Bonanza Brother adjacent games like Tant R. I'm definitely going to bring those up when we cast about this because those are wild and I want to talk about them. <laughs> like they are, only... they are wild and great, and also they're fucking uh, obnoxious and terrible. Yeah, that's why I want to talk about them. I I've never played Bonanza Brothers. I didn't want to pick a game I'd played because it would just be Sonic the Hedgehog too. But uh, Bonanza Brothers has interested me since I started following uh, Moon slash Moon Hotel on Twitter, and they do they they run a, a Bonanza Brothers role playing account on uh, Tumblr or did I don't know <laughs> if they still do. And uh, it's good shit. It's good shit. So shout out to Moon Hotel. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> so is it like a bunch of slash fic, like the Bonanza Brothers, or no? It's super like- normal. Doing it's super normy, just like me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. Player two is probably tall enough to suck off player one without having, you know, just standing up. Oh God, <laughs> what have I done? But can they sell? <laughs> oh fuck! So yeah, that I guess. Uh, so the next episode is going to be Bonanza Brothers, and the episode after that, well, uh, what you people listening right now, you can go to our Twitter, which is. At Book of Mega Drive. That's our Twitter. And you, right now, when you're listening to this podcast, can vote for the episode. Honestly, it's probably going to be a couple hours after this podcast. There's some timing stuff. But watch, follow that. Watch it. It'll pop up. There's probably going to be people telling you how to vote. Vote however you want, because I think I'm equally going to hate all of the options, personally. <laughs> you You don't know that yet. You have to play them first, and you have to suffer them. Guess who's played Pocahontas, at least me. Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the new corn moon? <laughs> it's like a cinematic platformer, but you can't die. Okay, so so are you, are you trying to tell me that it's somehow... Is it better or worse than the Beauty and the Beast games? Let's, let's oh, way fucking up. better. Not even close. It's way better than that. Is it better than both of them, or only just, only just one both of them? Both of them. Both of them. I've played both of them. It's kind of like if the Bell one was functional. Oh, no, no, okay, wait, 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 okay. Bell's Quest is functional. War of the Beast is a fucking, is, I don't, I don't know what's okay, going on with like that it, game. But you couldn't die in Bell's Quest, okay? Is that fair? That's bullshit! You can die in that game! I've died in Bell's you Quest! Can, no, I mean in Pocahontas. You can't die in Pocahontas to my experience. Good! Little kids should have games where they can just fucking figure out shit and they can't die, like Barney's Hide and Seek. That's what we're gonna do. So yes, uh, you can find us, again, at Book of Mega Drive, which is where uh, the votes are happening from here on out. Book of Mega Drive is a spinoff, I guess, of the, or I guess it's a Gaiden? I don't know what we're calling them, and frankly, we're at the end here, and I've had a very long journey recording this episode. I don't know about any of you. But we're a spinoff of Snexploration, which is on the same feed, and it's called the Snexploration Squad, and you're probably listening to this podcast because you're listening to that podcast, because that's probably how it is. But in case you're somehow not, you should listen to, to uh, Snexploration Squad. You can find me personally as Automatic Tiger on Twitter. I retweet mostly i don't make a lot of original tweets um and if you want to find the rest of our guests you can find them uh it's me shrug i'm shrug on the forums uh you can 
witness a fragment of my cultivated narrowness on uh, Twitter at Shragopolis. I have a few tabletop games at truck.itch.io. Uh, there's a little game about canonizing a dog. There's a reference to Physiologus in it. Everyone loves references to Physiologus. And I guess that's me. Give me money, I guess. You don't need to give me money. I'm sorry. I slipped a Melville quote back there somewhere. I'm a self-parody. Goodbye. All right. You can look up Hateful Blue Sphere on Instagram. I got pictures of me exploding. It'll be great. Uh, go to my website, LonelyFrontier.net. Look at my artwork. Read my blog posts. Buy my games. Do all kinds of cool stuff. Look forward to my upcoming fan fiction about the Bonanza Brothers. They've stolen many treasures around the world, and the most important treasure of all is each other's hearts. <laughs> God. Oh, no. Um, hi, I am Vasilkania. I run the East Exploration podcast, which you're listening to that feed probably. But if you're not, that's weird. Go listen to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad SNES.Zone. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Vasilkania, which is like Castlevania, but you switch to C and the V. And I don't tweet. Sorry. But you can find me there, I guess, if you want to read all my old shit. And I'm on select button is Vasilkania. Uh, I guess that's it. What else do I do? Nothing. Does Exploration have a Twitter? Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> What's this next? Is it just Snexploration? I think it is. <laughs> at Snexploration. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Very quick on the draw there. <laughs> I know I'm a G- yeah. It's next. It is at Snexploration. I had to double check. <laughs> <laughs> We're all tired. I'm sure. No, nah, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> oh no, I've got like another hour in me. Like, let's 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 fucking go. We can we can go we can go on. You, you can go, we can go on more about Awesome Possum. We can talk about how. All of you were so fucking lucky my choice didn't come up. I'll talk more about boners. There's a universe where we could all be playing Dragon Riders of Pern for the next episode, so... Okay, but that's that's an okay game. I picked a game that I like, but I'm pretty sure every other human being in the world knows it's absolute trash. Anyway, thus closes another chapter of the Book of Mega Drive. I guess that's our outro. It's the only thing I can think of right now. I should also probably mention that we're sort of spun off from the Select Button Forums, which is selectbutton.net. It is a place where you can talk about video games with people. Just this week, one of... Well, not this... Well, as of this recording, which is probably not going to be... There's some gap between when we record. But recently, somebody on the forum just discovered what appears to be the earliest video game Easter egg of all time. And we all found out about that before anyone else. So if you want to find out about shit like that, about like that, go to the select but selectbutton.net and you can find me there as Automatic Tiger. Oh my god, I forgot to mention that I'm a dwarf. I'm used to having a tulpa here to pick up my slack. Oh no. You're a dwarf in what, Shrug? What are you a dwarf in? I'm a dwarf <laughs> on No Rangers Allowed. It's house real Dungeons and Dragons in which I talk like this, but in character. And people tolerate me and have for going on two years. 
it's fun for the whole family, unless your family is too young to deal with all of the swears and references to genitalia. So, you know, make your own judgments. Someday, someday, I'll have a bunch of other people who have been forced to play the first Alex kids kid game. And then they'll know it was my first console, the first console game I ever owned. There was little cars and little planes and playing rock, paper, scissors that was predetermined every time, just completely unchanging, truly thrilling. It could be worse. Your first video game could have been devilish. <laughs> and I would have known all about magic balls. I would have known about the sphere. I've been well on my way to a Marianne life. <laughs>